Welcome to TLDL, a new condensed way to listen to Pop Talk. Our Too Long Didn't Listen episode is a quick hitting show that still gives you all of your favorite information. Now, let's join our host, Dr. Shane Fernando. Welcome back to Pop Talk. Today, in this particular format, we're doing something called TLDL Too Long Didn't Listen. You might have listened to our prior podcast and thought, hmm. I may not have an hour or 40 minutes to listen to this entire topic. I'll save it for later. But you still want to get the, the juicy information that we just provided for you. Well, that's what TLDL is going to be all about. I'm Dr. Shane Fernando, a clinical epidemiologist at UNT Health Science Center. Our guest today is Dr. Brandy M. Roan, a clinical health psychologist and a behavioral sleep medicine specialist. She has some tips for you and how to improve your sleep. Thank you so much for having me on the show. And in this shorter format, I'm going to try to hit some of the juicy topics. So let's get into it. So sleep and health. There is a very high connection between the two. Sleep is both a vital need as well as a behavior. And so as you can imagine, when we don't sleep sufficiently, so we don't get enough sleep or we don't sleep consistently, meaning we don't sleep at a consistent time and wake up at a consistent time or get sleep consistent sleep duration across the week, it can impact our health in a number of ways from next day consequences like feeling drowsy or lack of concentration attention, poor mood regulation, so feeling moody, irritable, more depressed or anxious, um, to long-term consequences such as increasing our risk of things like diabetes, cardiovascular diseases like heart attacks, um, as well as stroke, dementia, Alzheimer's, um, any number pretty much across the board, um, as well as cancer is increased in some of our populations with um, inconsistent or insufficient sleep durations. Um, as far as how many hours of sleep, because that's a big question that's often asked, like how many hours do I need, eight hours, things of that nature. Um, sleep need changes across the lifespan. So if we think of some guideposts, um, infants are going to need the most sleep with 16 to 18 hours. Two-year-olds need about um, 15 hours. Five-year-olds need anywhere from 12 to 15, um, or about five-year-olds, about 12 to 15. Sorry, I did just say that. And then 10-year-olds need about 10 hours. Your teens need about nine and a quarter to nine and a half. Your adults need about eight and a half hours. Now, there are individual needs, so understanding that there are, is some variation in that, but those are decent guideposts for the average person. And if you're not getting sufficient sleep, starting to expand your sleep schedule to allow it. And doing that, you can do that with baby steps. One of the ways that often happens, though, is we will take naps. So this napping behavior where we're taking naps in order to compensate for our sleep loss or insufficient sleep can temporarily help us to feel better and function during that day. But long term, it's often not the most effective in terms of ensuring good health because we're engaging in what we call biphasic sleeping. And biphasic sleeping means we're trying to split our sleep schedule or our sleep period up into multiple periods versus a singular period, which is most effective for us to be able to get all of our sleep phases, um, stages that we need. And so napping can become a way for us to compensate for that. Um, if you are in a pinch, 
need a nap because things have just not gone that well that week, but normally you're getting decent sleep, you can do so by taking a power nap. Now, how do we take a power nap? A power nap should occur before 2 p.m., and you should only spend 20 minutes from the time you're laying down to start that power nap to the end um, and making sure you're getting up at that point to avoid the grogginess that can occur with an hour and a half to two hour nap, as well as the impact that taking a nap can have on your ability to fall asleep that night. Because during the day and when we're awake, we build pressure to sleep. And that pressure is only let off during sleep. So when we take a nap, we're letting and easing off some of that pressure, but we're also not building pressure for us to be able to fall asleep that night because we have to get to a certain amount of pressure to to switch over to sleep. Now that gets us to kind of the sleep banking or trying to catch up on sleep and why we're able to sleep so long on the weekend. Um, And the reason for this is because when you're insufficiently sleeping during the week, you're accumulating a lot more sleep pressure. So when you oversleep on the weekends, it is the body trying to alleviate that banked pressure in essence um, and to clear out the debt, the sleep debt that you've acquired. What's important, though, is while you are clearing out some of the sleep debt in terms of buildup of pressure, you aren't necessarily undoing the damage that's been done during the week when you got an inconsistent or insufficient sleep. Because when we don't get sufficient or um, consistent sleep, we it takes a toll on the body and it takes a toll on our mental health. It takes a toll on relationships because we're moody. Um, it impacts our performance at our job because we can't focus or concentrate or we're moody and we pop off because we've gotten upset about something. Um, and so if we think about, you know, really the true impact that that inconsistent sleeping has and trying to take that weekend to catch up and make up, it can't really make up for what's happened during the five days of the work day or the work week or the school week for kids and um, teens. So that sleep banking or trying to make up for it on the weekend is not always the most impactful. And you probably also notice it impacts your functioning on Mondays and Tuesdays until the body regulates out because we have another um, factor that impacts our sleep and that's our circadian rhythm, which is our master clock. So our master circadian clock is in our brain, and it regulates the clocks throughout all of our body to help us with lots of things. And this is going back similar to the health issues. Um, That master clock regulates hormone release, regulates timing of things throughout the body. And so as you can imagine, things that are tied to our hormones, like metabolic diseases, um, any number of things can become impacted when our sleep is dysregulated and that clock is dysregulated. So you want to maintain that um, regularity in order to promote healthy functioning um, throughout the body. Now, ways to do that, this kind of gets at some of the tips, is consistent sleep schedule. Um, Waking up to have then turn on a bright light to help reduce some of the melatonin or to reduce the melatonin so that cues you to be more alert. And you also are then setting that master clock for the day to be able to then fall asleep at a similar time that night. Um, having a good bedtime routine, which is not just for kids, it's for adults too, that is consists of about four to five activities outside of bed and ends with a final activity that is sleep promoting, meaning it's relaxing, calm. It's not gonna be too um, stimulating, definitely not in bright light. You want it in um, dim light, that's gonna help promote sleep and then you get into bed. Um, 
making sure that you follow the principles of same bat time, same bat place. So you're consistent with your sleep, um, timing is consistent, and you're consistently sleeping in the same location as best as possible. Um, Goldilocks principles. So not too much, but not too little, but just right. So getting sufficient sleep for your need. Um, ensuring that it's efficient, meaning time spent in bed is pretty much equivalent to actual sleep time. So you're only taking about 15, 20 minutes to fall asleep, which kind of lends into some of the things like sleep disorders, like insomnia. If it's taking about 15 to 20, if it's taking, sorry, longer than 15 to 20 minutes, so closer to about 30 to fall asleep or longer, you're probably experiencing some insomnia symptoms. So getting it checked out. If you are snoring, which can disrupt sleep, and normally your individuals who snore, um, they might have primary snoring. So it's just an obstruction, happens when they're sleeping, but it's not impacting their airflow and their oxygen levels during sleep. But snoring is often indicative of obstructive sleep apnea, which is a sleep disorder that means a person is having pauses in their breathing during sleep, and their brain is rousing them to wake back up to help um, restore um, the airflow and the oxygen levels, but it causes a significant impact on the quality of the sleep of the person with this condition and their sleep. Um, meaning they're going to wake up the next day feeling incredibly drowsy. Um, they possibly are going to have some other issues. So also getting that treated and checked out can be very helpful. I think overall that wraps up the big points that we talked about during the longer episode. Thank you so much, Dr. Roan. I appreciate you condensing. I mean, that was a, the major episode. I hope you all do have some time to listen to it. We really go into a lot more than what you just heard. So I would encourage you to listen to it, but hopefully you got something really um, important from this brief episode. Thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you on our next one. Pop Talk is a production of the Texas College of Osteopathic Medicine and is produced at the UNT Health Science Center in Fort Worth. To learn more, please visit our website at unthsc.edu.